The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Good morning, Boston. What's happening? Guess what, kids? Whether you're on your way to a Packy and Stoughton or maybe headed down the Cape for a barbecue or just stuck in traffic in some godforsaken stretch of Route 2 or some such place, dude, it's cool because now you're listening to the Boston Podcast, Boston's only independent daily podcast that I know of. There might be others. Okay, just tell me if there are. I don't know. David at pod617.com, brought to you by the Boston Podcast Network. We have studios here in Westwood where I sit this morning with my awesome guest, friend, star, superstar, superhero, maybe, we'll get to that later, it's uh, Jennifer Taddeo. Say hello, my dear. Good morning, Dave. That's good for now. The uh, first episode of Game of Thrones the final season is upon us, and that's April 14th. We, me and Tadio just looked at our calendars. We both have it on there. <laughs> so it'll it'll come out uh, as uh, an old-fashioned style, meaning it'll come out every Sunday night, right? Yeah, Until it's done. so weird. You know how, I know. Come on, give it, we want to binge everything. It's like, we're all like uh, sitting in front of an ice cream Sunday, just stuffing the whole thing in our faces. What, um, do you know how many episodes are in the final season? Um, it ends in early May, so there are not that many. Yeah. I think Probably only like eight. Eight or ten, yeah. I think only eight. Okay. So, have you been a fan like, since the beginning? I've read all the books. Um, I've watched it since it came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... It, it, You're they excited. have a lot to wrap up. They do. Yeah. yeah. There's a, a really good podcast. The Ringer is has sure. a, good, a good Game of Thrones podcast. Yeah. Uh, her name is... Uh, um, what's her name? If you say it, I'll remember it. I but thought it was Amanda something. She's she has a Jewish last name. She she makes Jewish jokes sometimes <laughs> about that. I can't remember her name. Anyway, she's on with Bill Simmons sometimes on his podcast. But yeah, she's upset. Yeah, the Ringer. Uh, they you can uh, dial it back a little bit on the like they have a new podcast like every day about yeah. different angles of Game of Thrones. It's a little it's like, overwhelming. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I want to know that much about the show. <laughs> but it but it has been a wonderful show. So who's who have been your favorite characters? Or least favorite characters? Well, Alive I, or dead? I, I love Arya. In fact, I actually yeah. talk about her to my clients all the time. Really? Because I tell clients that you know, if they're not sure what they want to do or during the process, they can tell me they need to take a, a break, they need to put it on pause, but that I, like Arya, I have a list of names that I recite in my, na- in my head every night before I go to sleep. Now mine are I was just not, watching that episode. Yeah, go ahead. They're not people, people you want to kill. who've wronged my house and whom I'm going to kill. <laughs> they, they are the people who have stalled somewhere along the way in the estate planning process. Oh. Yeah, so I tell them, I'm, you're on a list, but not, not Arya's list. Wow. Oh, <laughs> that's a good combination of like pride and shame against the person. <laughs> so um, she's awesome. She is a badass. The Probably the youngest main character on the show mm-hmm. now, right? Um and she's still, in many ways, the arc of the story has been Arya's quest to come home. Yes. And she's still not home, right? She is home. Oh, she is home now. But she has not See, been I to- I've reunited. Totally have, I totally have forgotten what happened yeah, in the last season. Yeah. We definitely have spoilers. Yeah, here. spoilers if you haven't, if you're not caught up on Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, uh, go back and we'll see you in about two weeks. But, <laughs> <laughs> but she is back home at Winterfell with Sansa, but she's not been reunited with Jon. And that is, yeah. uh, that's a reunion I'm really excited to see. Yeah. I hope we get to see. Yeah. And I mean, somebody just reminded me, I forgot how much like swung around in the, in the last couple episodes because... Uh, Daenerys uh, Khaleesi mm-hmm. is is now betting with Jon Snow, not realizing yes. that they're related. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he is Troubling. her uncle. Yeah. But he, yeah, he does not. Neither of them know that yet. They don't know. Yes. So would be shocking if not for the fact that way earlier in the series, brother and sister bet together, fully well knowing it and not giving a shit about it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and really kind of celebrating it. So um, I love. Uh, 
I'm not unusual in that. I love Tyrion. I just think he's yes. he's un- and uh, Peter Dinklage is just he just what a every, great actor. Yeah, every time he's on the screen, it's it's like you just it's can't miss. It's humor. It's bravery. Mm-hmm. It's I drink wine and I know things. I drink wine and I know things, yeah. I need that t-shirt. Um, and so any predict... So, yeah, the fate of uh, Arya taking her revenge, that's up in the in the mm-hmm. air. Uh, you know, what happens with Sansa, what happens with uh, Jon Snow and... Or that brother-sister combo. Uh, is Jamie going sure. to fulfill the prophecy and kill Cersei? Right, well, right. That's, that will be interesting to see. He's... Jamie Lannister is the quintessential uh, character you love to hate. Yes. Yeah. He's had such growth, though, over the course. You think about season one, episode one, him... But I noticed his hand hasn't grown back. Sadly, it has not. Sorry, sorry, (laughs) fictional character Jamie Lannister. Wait, can I ask you a question? If you read the books, do you already know how it ends? No, because actually the the show is ahead of the books now. George R.R. Martin has been working on this last book for some crazy number of years. Right. Um, I think that in the time I've been reading the books, only one new book has come out. And uh, he he will only write on a particular typewriter at home. Right. He will not take it with him. So during the whole time he's been involved with the show, he's been traveling a lot and he has not been doing much writing. So that, I mean, that writing on the typewriter, cool old-fashioned <clears throat> thing. And, you know, to me, that's what you want to do, do it. I mean, it worked out great for the James Conn character in Misery. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Maybe not such a good idea. Uh, imagine if he died. This is really dark thought, but if he dies, the, the fans are going to lose their head, right? Yes, yes. They, that, that is something that is talked about. Uh, and he, my understanding is he did sketch out his end game to the showrunners. And so we're seeing what is likely going to happen Maybe not exactly how it happens in the books, but it, it's supposed to get to the same end game. Mm. Yeah. Um, probably will be. This is going to be cool because, although I like you, would probably prefer if I could just binge the thing and, and watch it. Because this is going to be one that you kind of, <clears throat> you're really going to want to watch in real time. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, on Monday morning, there are going to be a shitload of, of stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. And the whole, like, preserving, like, binging is great, but it's so hard to keep a secret these days. I feel right? like, yeah, I, I was uh, watching the um, NCAA tournament, and I didn't necessarily have a, a dog in the race, but I was watching the Duke game. And of course, mm-hmm. Duke lost to uh, Michigan State. And I had paused it or DVR'd it or something, and then turned it back on in the in the, the last few minutes of the game and during like a timeout I pick up my phone and as I will do as many of us do and just kind of click on Facebook and the first like <laughs> post Duke loses huge letters I'm like damn it <laughs> um, kind of ruined it for me so yeah you got it and so this will be can you think of a I can think of one but can when the Sopranos came out was mm-hmm. when I was still writing for Lawyers Weekly and since I didn't give a crap whether I wrote about non-legal things, I occasionally wrote about the Sopranos. And I said the final, this this final episode might be kind of the last great everyone gather around the TV moments because everyone's DVRing off in their own direction. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of right. But, I mean, can you think of a more anticipated season finale no, than this will be? I mean, I think it is right up there with the other ones that have become cultural touchstones, like you know, the end of Seinfeld. I didn't even watch Seinfeld, and I watched the last yeah. one. You know, they, people talk about MASH all the time. Yeah. That being a seminal if, series conclusion. Yeah. So, I, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be gonna right be up there. This is going to be a big one. Yeah. Yeah, get your uh, get your pints of grog ready to watch <laughs> uh, the final season of, of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I, I remember, I mean, Sopranos, which is, is one of those, um, I'm kind of of the camp that's a, did, were you a Sopranos person? Yes. Yeah. Finale? Yeah, you're not? It, I was, I'm still thinking about it all this time later. So that says it, it was pretty great. Compelling. Yeah. yeah. It was, um, uh, I w- I'm of the camp that was like disappointed in the moment. And then at, like when the screen goes blank, it's kind of like, no, I don't want it to end. I'll never forget when I looked like up at the clock and saw that there was three minutes left in The Sopranos, I started getting so nervous. And then what's her name? Meadow is meeting them at the restaurant there where they get the onion rings and she's having trouble parallel parking. And I'm like, would you just freaking park already? Get in there. I know something's going to happen. Um, the tension. Yeah. That whole ending scene. Yeah. With the Journey song playing and all that. It's great. 
from pod617.com and Hirsch Roberts Weinstein LLP. It's Higher Ground featuring higher education attorney John Graff. We are dealing with issues that are breaking on an hourly basis sometimes in higher ed. What we wanted to do was actually bring the information to the listener at a time when it's convenient for them. Succinct, brief, punchy discussions with people who have experience and particularly through the lens of the people on the ground in higher ed. Higher Ground, presented by the law firm of Hirsch Roberts Weinstein LLP. Find all episodes at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. In pod, we trust. All right. <laughs> so Jennifer is an attorney at the law firm of Con Kavanaugh. There are more names in there, but I forget what they are. Or you know, you can, it just goes by Con Kavanaugh now, right? Yes, most people refer to us that way. She's um, so humble. Can you pull the microphone closer to you so that um, we get more of the full Tadio experience? Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, Con Kavanaugh. Well, poor Tom Pice used to be uh, at the I end know. of that. Is he still with he, the firm? He is. Yeah. He is, okay. Yes. One of my Good first uh, first acts as a, a partner was to go to his. Uh, we had a dinner in his honor. Oh, that's cool. Great guy. And then they said, now, by the way, break the news to him that he's not on the masthead anymore. <laughs> he's there. He's <laughs> he, there. Oh, okay, he's there. The, the official na- he's in the official name yes. of the firm. All the firms go by either one name or two names now. You yes. just have to. Yeah. My, my joke back in the day when I worked for Lawyers Weekly, which I, I wrote, was that no one was more bummed out at, at, than the uh, clients of Goodwin, Proctor, and Hoare. When the, name, <laughs> when the name was reduced just to Goodwin, Proctor, they went up to the office and said, you know, what happened to the whore? Every time we come here, we see a whore. I, I, I miss seeing the whore here. Um, thank you very much. Where the hell's my rim shot? That, that, all right, good. So Jennifer is a trust in the state's lawyer, which means that she plans for people's future and makes them feel better about it and writes wills and trusts and other stuff that you need if you don't have it. Get on it, people. I've been putting it off too. Uh, do I have that right? Somewhere? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, uh, I like to tell people I bring death and taxes to life. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you know what the three surest things in life are, right? Death, taxes, and Lucy will always pull the ball out when Charlie Brown's trying to kick it. Those are the three things. Too true. Those are the three things. <laughs> um, so you've been uh, – uh, Jennifer, by the way, has a career as a lawyer, but she still looks – she's a like about 27 years old. And um, you grew up around here. In, uh, and I just dropped my microphone. <laughs> this is what happens at the unpredictable world of the Boston podcast. All right, we're going to break for one sec while I fix this. Are you not, are you not, are you not entertained? From the Pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's Are You Not Entertained? The was I and, and the am I entertained. Can I start that again? Sorry. <laughs> am I entertained? I did it again. <laughs> Dumbass. Are you entertained? Ah! All right. Sorry. Sorry. It's Ed Nathanson. I'm here to give you the podcast that I've always wanted to do. That's talking about movies. That's talking about music, sports, pop culture. That's talking to some of the best people in employer branding around the world. Are you not entertained? Can I start that again? So, always unpredictable moments here at our studio here in Westwood, Mass. And my microphone just fell completely. The arm of the microphone completely fell off. And uh, my guest, Jennifer Taddeo, was um, prepared to save me. Um, were you scared? I was scared for a minute. Uh, it looked yeah. like it was attacking you, Dave. It was. It was. When microphones go bad. <laughs> so, we're going to talk about some cool stuff today. We'll talk a little bit about what Jennifer does, whether uh, you should talk to a, a lawyer like Jen. And, uh, spoiler alert, the answer is yes, you should. <laughs> we're also going to tell we, – we were chit-chatting about our children earlier, and we figured why not take the opportunity to do a segment called Pride and Terror, which is if you're a parent – you know what I'm talking about. It's basically those two things, pride and terror. Examples of both. And then, if that isn't enough, we've got uh, movie reviews from both myself and from Jen. They both concern characters that fly. So we're flying high here at the Boston Podcast, pod617.com. Before we get to everything, let me just take a moment to tell you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you, whether you are a lawyer or an awesome lawyer like Jen, a financial advisor like I used to be, uh, a business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head. Literally. You see what I did there? I used the <laughs> word literally. 
appropriately. Are you still using it appropriately? I am only using it appropriately. Are you sure? I, despite the best efforts of my 15-year-old. See, these, these kids are ruining the word literally. It used to be my favorite word. You know, um, I remember in college, <clears throat> there was a uh, Russian history class that I took. I'm walk and the first day we walked in, the room was packed. There's an excellent professor named Razanovsky. And so much so that a lot of uh, grown-ups were auditing the course just because he was such a good speaker. So in the front row, there were all these people in their, you know, 40s, 50s, and 60s or whatever they were. And I'm walking through, and I say to my friend, oh, my God, like everybody and their mother is in this class. And he points to the adults in the room and says, literally, that's <laughs> they, there's the humor in the word literally. And now the dictionary recognizes the misuse of the word, which means, which you know what it means? It means the opposite of li yes. literally. It means figurative. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's going to be okay, Dave, really. <laughs> Hang with me, Jen. Uh, by the way, what I was saying was pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. That's what you do. You get your own show. You invite people that are important to you and your business onto that show, and they get all freaked out. They love it. And then they share the podcast with other people, and they tell two friends, and they tell two friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. Go to pod617.com to start planning. Be part of the pod revolution. Pod617.com. Pod I almost made it to the finish line. In pod, we trust. So do most people have, do you think most people, and when I say most people, um, I mean eh, people that have a reason to plan, but you know what? Doesn't everyone who has a family have a reason to plan? Do most people have an estate plan or most people, or do they not? Most people do not. Um, most people are just relying upon the plan that, that Massachusetts has for them, which I mean, I guess if you think that the Commonwealth is a good judge of what to do with your family and your assets, go for it. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, there are, I mean, I, I, law school wasn't that long ago for me. Not true. It was forever ago. But <laughs> from what I remember, you know, if it if you leave it to the state, you are victim to all kinds of rules that just might not be the best for you. Yeah, there are extra hoops to jump through. It means you have to go through the probate process. And it means that if you, if you're kind of in that typical family where you're still, you're married to the first person you got married to and you have children together, mm -hmm. then, you know, everything is probably going to end up with the right person, but maybe not in the right way. So everything will go to your surviving spouse. That might really make things tough on an estate tax perspective yep. in Massachusetts. But then at the second death, everything will go outright to the kids. And yeah. even if they're the best kids, which, of course, everybody's kids are the best kids, they are. Uh, it, it means it's so vulnerable to their creditors and if they get divorced. Right. But but there might be all kinds of things. Like if one of your kids is a screw-up, you mm -hmm. might not want to write him out of your will, but you might want to have specific provisions as to yeah. how he or she can spend money, right? Yeah, insulate them from themselves. You know, Give right. them a little bit of guidance. Have you ever gotten any unusual requests in preparing an estate plan? <gasps> Yeah. Um, well, what I like to tell my clients, because clients come to me and they say, well, Jen, I'm embarrassed to tell you this. You know, this is how my family is. I'm sure you've never heard anything like this. And I tell them every family is dysfunctional in its own special way. <laughs> <laughs> so really, yeah. there's there's little that I haven't heard, but I've done some pretty specific planning for people. Uh, we had a family where, um, there, you know, and speaking in generalities, of mm. course, uh, their primary beneficiaries were their dogs. Ugh. And so we spent a lot <laughs> I mean, <of> <laughs> I love dogs. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not a dog person. I, I did not cry when old Yeller died. I just wanted to get out of there. Oof. Just kidding. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen that movie. I just don't. I'm allergic to dogs. So what am I going to do? But yeah, some people. So there are mm -hmm. pet trusts, right? Yes, you can do absolutely. That. Pet yeah. trusts are allowed in Massachusetts now. And we, we got pretty specific down to leaving. You know, we tried to balance being specific with leaving some flexibility, which is what I do with all of my clients, pet focused or not. Right. And uh, in this case, we were able to take some of the specific instructions they wanted to leave and take them out of the trust and put them into a letter that went alongside the trust so that they could change that at any time. You know, if they changed their perspective on any kind of their, their pet stewardship, um, mm. they could rewrite that letter and they wouldn't have to come back and pay me. And uh, it really lets the documents grow with them a lot more than if we just put everything into the trust, uh, write it right in, and then every time they want to make a change, it's pulling me into the process. You don't you don't actually leave money to a dog, right? Can no, <laughs> no, we left the money in the trust, and we provided for somebody to live in their home with their dogs, hmm. um, as long as any dog that was living when 
this couple passed away um, until that dog died and uh, that somebody would stay home full time with the dogs and would um, provide the right kind of enrichment and the the appropriate type of food. We had some specific foods that they wanted fed mm-hmm. to them and then would give a, dona- a large donation to the per- or a distribution to the person who had been taking care of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, no, we didn't leave it outright to the dogs. They're not very good money managers. No, you don't. You leave it straight to the dogs, and then you next next thing you know, you get the dog walking around with chains around <laughs> his neck, and like he's he's uh, barking up and down the street like he's um, like he's all that. I was gonna say the cock of the walk that would apply if you left it to a rooster, I yes. suppose. Uh, so, do most people actually withdraw the question, counselor? How often should you revisit? Let's say you get a plan mm-hmm. in place. You're like, this is pretty good. This kid's taken care of. How often should you revisit it? I tell my clients, pull that binder out. I send them a binder at the end with a cover letter that really walks them through it in plain language. Um, you know how much we love to, to use our legalese. Yes. But we, we throw that away. We just go with plain language. And then I say, pull it out. Take a look at it every three to five years. Sooner, if there's a birth, a death, a marriage, a divorce, a material change in the assets or in the family, or if you're reading about the estate tax in the news every day. And uh, those were, I also tell them anytime you think, oh, I wonder if Jen should know this or I wonder what Jen would say about that, reach out, give me a call, let me know. Nine times out of 10, I'm going to tell them, great, I made a note in your file. You don't need to do anything about it right now. But sometimes what they share with me is really important and it really changes things. And so that gives me a chance to to tweak with them. Yeah. Tweaking is important, I think, because you could pick uh, a guardian for your Mm -hmm. children and you might think that, you know, Cousin Joe, he's the most responsible in the family. A couple of years goes by and suddenly Joe's lost his job and strangely seems to be sending, spending a lot of time down at Foxwoods. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like, hmm, maybe uh, Cousin Joe isn't uh, the best. But that kind of stuff yeah. happens, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And and not just the other people changing, but families change and the kids change. You get to kn- you have a baby. You don't know anything about them yet. Right. You get to see them grow into the person that they're becoming and you realize, oh, you know, the guardian needs to be somebody different. And pe- actually, guardianship is one of the biggest reasons people come in to see me because they need to name a guardian. And it's also one of the biggest reasons people put it off because they're they're afraid of of naming somebody. There was I don't know if you watch uh, Blackish, but they had an episode all Once about in a while this. I watch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great episode. Uh, I wrote about it on LinkedIn because it struck me that it was exactly what so many of my clients are struggling with. Mm-hmm. And I tell clients, stop. Just stop thinking about who's going to be as good as you are because the answer is no one. We're all right. the perfect parent for our child. I mean, we're not perfect. They tell us that all the time, right. but we we understand them. Mm-hmm. So stop thinking about who's as good as you. Instead, think about that one person that every family has who you know would step right up and be the guardian, and they are the most wrong person (laughs) that you could possibly think of. So think about that person and who would be better than that person and the names. Then they just start flowing. Yeah, because if you don't do that, then the state picks the person that might not have been perfect. Right. And, you know, the courts, the courts working with – they are always going to be focused on what's in the best interest of the child. But they, they're not working with the same kind of information that you have. You know, so we have a lot of times families will say there's somebody that they really don't want. And so what I tell my clients then is, great, give me a lot of names. Let's have a long list of people in front of that person. And that really signaled to the court there is a reason this person wasn't named. Right. Um, you know, sometimes we'll go so far as to write a separate document that – just say it's executed as if it were a will, but it just says we do specifically do not want this person to be named. And as they don't; ha- they'll never see that. Right. We hope the hope is that it will never see the light of day. But Unless you if that tell person them, but <laughs> fights, <laughs> right? If that person really oh, okay. goes in, then we can share. Okay, here's a document that we're going to have to now file. Um, and generally, people don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one case where the child had a severe food allergy. And uh, one member in the family had made it their crusade basically to say that this is all made up. It's all in your head. And so the parents felt like this was a matter of safety. So Yeah. That's a good reason. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. <laughs> that's a good reason. It, it's so easy to change it. As your life your life change it changes and the other person's life changes, you can do a codicil. You can change it. It's not carved in stone. Codicil, fancy lawyer <laughs> talk for an amendment or something you tack on. 
yes. okay people. <laughs> Sorry, Jen. We looked for the perfect person in picking the guardian for our children, and like you say, it was impossible to find the perfect person. So we chose we chose um, George Clooney. <laughs> and because he is perfect, I mean, he's he's, he's the only post one. All. Yeah. What's funny is ten years ago that joke would have ended with we picked like the perfect father figure, Bill Cosby. You see, that's why you got to revisit your plan, people. <laughs> Things do change; they can change on a dime. You know, um, you're great at keeping in touch with your clients, as you just described. We did our plan like uh, twelve years ago, something like that. Can I tell you, I haven't heard directly from that lawyer since, and I've been uh, divorced for about five years, and still I'm getting mail with my name and my now ex-wife's name (laughs) when they send me, like, their little template newsletter Mm -hmm. thing. Um, That uh, office will remain nameless, but but that's a shame, right? Yeah, it is, actually. I I have... uh, on another podcast, and I've mm-hmm. spoken on a panel focused on helping divorce lawyers to be better about educating their what, clients. What you can plug it? What podcast was that? Uh, I was on Hindel Grossman's. Oh, uh, she's great! Yes, yeah, she. It was wonderful, mm. uh, and we we were able to talk about all the things that a divorce lawyer should be talking to her, his or her clients about because that is a big time of change. It's hard because at the end of a divorce, and I think we can both speak to this. Yeah. No matter how great your attorney is, and and mine was amazing. I, you're done. You're just, you don't want right. to deal with the lawyers anymore. Right. But that's a really important piece. So great. You've separated your lives, but that leaves some big, assuming that you did the right thing and you had an estate plan in, in place, you have some big holes in your plan now. And um, it's really important for everybody during a divorce to be consulting with an, an attorney. Um, you're not going to change a lot during the divorce process. Maybe you update your healthcare proxy and your durable power of attorney right away, mm-hmm. but the will and the trust you you don't touch unless your divorce attorney tells you to, or it's all done. But you definitely need to update that and your, all your beneficiary designations. It's housekeeping. It's a pain, but it has to happen. Yeah, and people don't realize. I think they don't do it maybe for a couple of reasons. One, they think it's too expensive, and it doesn't have to be that expensive, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking in the you know, it, it, on the high end, at the in the well, not high end, but low end, like thousands, but but not the it not the super high thousands. I'm not saying that well. Not in the tens of thousands, <laughs> like like not in the tens of thousands. Put it that way. And and it, to me, it's like the ultimate insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have life insurance? Like, if you do, but you don't have an estate plan, like it doesn't make mm-hmm. any, it doesn't make any sense. You know, I think something that's important for people when they're thinking about estate planning. Let's face it, people do not get excited about talking to lawyers. And part of it, I think, is that they're not sure Welcome how it Welcome to my works. life, Jennifer. <laughs> I love lawyers. No, go ahead. Well, but I think that people get overwhelmed. They get scared. They hear that clock ticking every six minutes. For sure. Um, and I, I wrote about this in an article on LinkedIn. It's um, just educate yourself about how estate planning attorneys charge. Some do charge on that hourly basis where every six minutes – you know, it, it's going to be another charge, and that's appropriate in some cases. But a lot of attorneys will work with you on a flat fee basis, and that's that's what I do for the most part. Hmm. What that means is after we spend two hours together, I'm going to be able to say to you, okay, great, I've learned a lot about you and your family and your goals and your fears, and this is what I think we need to do, and here is what it's going to cost. And at that point, I can give them a specific cost. It just takes the uncertainty out of it. That's great. Because, yeah, pe- pe- people are nervous. Yeah. Like, uh, As they I, should be. Am I getting charged for this call? Am I getting charged <laughs> for this? Like, And um, to be explicit with them, I, I think mm-hmm. is great. It's, it, I think it's the cost, and then it's the fact that it's a, uh, it's kind of a ghoulish or um, a little bit you know, depressing process because you have to go through and say, I remember doing this. It's like, it's like, well, if this person dies and then this person dies, who do you want to be in charge of the kids? And, this, right. and it got to the point where we were going – uh, who's dead now? She's dead, and he's dead, and we're like, well, well, that'll never. And then someone will be like, well, no, like vacation plane goes yeah. down. It's like you start getting a little sad, but eventually you kind of get numb to it. I mean, it's it's still important questions to ask. Um, Hindel Grossman, by the way, uh, divorce lawyer, and has a podcast, and she's going to be on this podcast as soon as I get her in here. We've uh, we've had uh, our people are talking to her people. You know how this goes <laughs> in, in show business, John. So let's. So by the way, yeah. If you want to uh, get in touch with Jen, the website is concavanaugh.com. It's spelled exactly like you think it isn't. So <laughs> let me spell it: uh, con with a c, c o n n, Kavanaugh with a k, k a v a n a u g h. dot com. Jen's email address is jtadio. That's 
J as in Jennifer, T-A-D-D-E-O at concavanaugh.com. And I take it you don't mind people uh, linked linking with you on no. LinkedIn. So, and you heard she wrote some cool stuff on her LinkedIn page. So send a uh, LinkedIn message to Jen and say, hey, heard you on this awesome podcast. What's Dave Yaz like in real life? <laughs> and then she'll respond to you and tell you what a jerk I am. And you'll be uh, LinkedIn buddies. LinkedIn does work, by the way, people. For those that say, I don't know what LinkedIn is for. You use LinkedIn, don't you? I absolutely do. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it, it's a good thing people people can get information. I like to write really simple articles on there, just straightforward. I was I watched that episode of Blackish and yep. literally using it correctly, grabbed my laptop and wrote out a, an article because it was it was so relevant and it made it so real to families. Uh, terrific, uh, LinkedIn. But I, I love to use it for um, just when people say, you know, do you know anyone over at such and such a place? Mm-hmm. Because usually, you know, a lot of these are shots in the dark. You know anyone over at Tech Corp, you know, and I'm like, well, no, I've never heard of that company. But if you go into your LinkedIn database and you punch that in, all of a sudden there are three people you know that know three execs over at that company. And then you get to go to your person and dazzle them and say, well, yeah, actually, I do know someone <laughs> over there, my contact over there. Um, so cool. Uh, anyway, so let's let's move on to pride and terror. <laughs> Wait, hold on. See if I can uh, see if I can play this up a little bit. Pride. What would pride sound like? Um, the no, pride wouldn't sound like the <laughs> Netflix thing. No, no, it wouldn't sound like the HBO thing either. Come on, for crying out loud, pride. Right. Mm-hmm. And terror. The journey of the American parent. So we, we just thought it would be fun to shoot the breeze about kind of parenting moments. And um, do you want to start or should I start? You start. Well, and we can just free flow on this. <laughs> um, most recently, this isn't so much a story as just a thought. My, my son started driving and he's a good driver. He's super careful and everything. And he came over the other day. I'm, I'm at my apartment and we, we were going to have dinner. And we always, you know, have this, as we will do, this little, you know, text exchange. What do you want to do for dinner? I don't know. What do you want to do for dinner? And, you know, he's a teenager. And so out of the blue, he kind of said, hey, Dad, how about if I pick up uh, dinner and bring it over? And I was like, oh, like, oh, oh, my my little boy's grown up. You know, he's he went, now he only got Wendy's. But still, (laughs) it's a start. You got to start somewhere. And I feel like, so the question is, like, when you, so you have a daughter who's not quite of driving age. No. And, um. It's just interesting to think of what advice I try to give him about this because driving is such a huge part of our lives. This sounds mundane and everything, but gee whiz. I remember when I first started driving, it was always comparing notes with everyone. Do you have your license yet? Yeah. Hey, you know, when you're on Route 93 and you have to get off at that exit in Milton, isn't it really hard to get across those three <laughs> lanes as you merge over there by Lantana's? It's like, yeah, that's so hard. The other day I went there and there were like four cars. I had to slow down. People were beeping at me. And and he's um, he doesn't seem like a nervous driver, but I feel like telling him, you're going to get in some little accident or something. Isn't that – do you, like, do you remember your first accident? And oh, like, yeah. And how, how you broke it to your parents or – Yes, yeah. So tell me. Uh, about- oh, gosh. I – I've had my fair share of fender benders, mm-hmm. um, but I think the most terrifying thing for me driving-wise was, and this is, I think, a, a South Shore rite of passage, yeah. was my first time driving down the Cape and going oh, up yeah. the rotaries. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I remember pulling off before I got there, psyching myself up for it, <laughs> and uh, and being really proud when I made it. Yeah, you got to be like, you end up like, Chevy Chase and European vacation, <laughs> unable the to kids, get off the road. Yeah, big, big Ben Parliament. I can't get left. Uh, the rotaries are weird, and that particular rotary down there. I, I now I'm an old man. I'm cavalier. I just kind of plow in there <laughs> and just hope for the best. But well, now you have the flyover. What? What? Now what's what? I don't know about that. What is the flyover? The flyover. So it, you don't even you don't even have to uh, you don't even have to go around the rotary. You go right over it if you're going straight down the Cape. Really? Yeah. What? Is it near one of the bridges? Yeah, it's uh, just because we we've been taking the kids down in the summer yeah. to uh, to their camp, and yeah, you just go. I mean, you're still sitting in traffic, yeah. but uh, yeah, the rotary is all happening below you. The rotary is happening below you. So they built something over that rotary yeah. on the other side of the Bourne Bridge or the Sagamore Bridge. I think both of them have it now. Really? Yeah. Holy jeez! Well, that's a good idea. 
because that because that rotary is terror. I always I get on the rotary, and then when I'm about to get off, there is a if there's a car to my right because two lane rotaries are like the third ring of hell. Like yes. I mean, come on, it's it's kill or be killed. It's like <laughs> Hunger Games for cars. And I always go, and I think I'm allowed to just get on the rotary and get off when I want to. And then I'll go to get off, and there'll be a car to my right who's kind of coming in while I'm going. Uh, um, the joys of driving in, in Massachusetts. So have you had any either either prideful or um, anxiety-ridden moments with your kids um, recently or in recent years or whatever? I, every day. <laughs> uh, I would say... I'm lucky, mm-hmm. so I've got a lot of prideful moments recently with each of the kids. Just in case the kids are listening. Right. <laughs> As if, come on. Yeah. Mom, come, please, I don't want to listen to anything the, you're on. The youngest kids don't even listen to podcasts that much, no. I think, because I think you got to be driving for a few years and driving mm-hmm. someplace where you're going to be stuck in traffic, mm-hmm. so that's where we get the podcast <laughs> listeners. But anyway, you were saying. So Alice Rose uh, is a swimmer, mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, and we were just talking about the fact that she earned her first uh, varsity letter, which was definitely a moment, but not yes. the one. <laughs> we love you, Alice Rose. Congratulations. <laughs> but what she also does is she volunteers at the Y. Uh, she's on her high school team, but also a club team at the Y. And she volunteers uh, every Tuesday evening teaching kids swim lessons. And you know, she can't work there yet. She's too young, although she did research the working laws and try to make her case as to why <laughs> at 15 and a half she should be able to. Yeah. And they were able to explain that it's the certifications she needs. Yeah. But I loved that she made the pitch. Yeah, but stick it to the man. Yeah. yeah. So we got some feedback recently. My mom and I are both there a lot. So uh, the director of aquatics shared that she was talking with a few parents of kids in Alice, you know, the class where Alice Rose is an assistant. And she was telling them that actually Alice Rose has just turned 15 in March, so she she won't have her own classes yet. And they both said to her, oh, well, when she starts teaching next year and she turns 16, we want our kids in her class. And mm. that meant so That's much so to cool. me. Yeah. It was yeah. very cool. Yeah. You know, and, and in case they are listening, I have to give one to Ryan, who is sure. my seventh grader. Mm-hmm. And uh, I recently got some feedback from his, uh, his math teacher that he is – he can be a little bit of a – of a class clown, and we're working on that, but that he was really willing to get up there and ask questions, and he was creating a very positive environment for other kids to ask the questions they had. Mm-hmm. So I loved that. They're wow. themselves out there. You did something right, Taddeo. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And because there, it's one thing to be proud of what your kid does, and of course, when you're a, a youngish parent, you're, you're just proud if the kid gets most of the <laughs> finger paint on the page, right? <laughs> And, you know, up on the refrigerator, the piece of artwork goes. But there's a special kind of moment when you see the kid taking interest in people younger than them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, my son's a camp counselor, and he was never one of these kids growing up that was fascinated by ba- Some kids, as soon as they're, like, old enough to not be a baby, they love babies, you know, and yes. they like taking <laughs> care of babies. He was never that. It just wasn't his thing. But once he became a camp counselor, he kind of saw how the littlest kids were looking up to him, and he really dug it. That's yeah. a cool thing, right? Very cool. Yeah. Okay. So cool. <laughs> so more pride than terror today from me and Jen. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm here to tell you about an affliction that affects millions of Americans every year. It's growing, and there's no end in sight. I'm talking, of course, about podcast envy. Hi, I'm George. I suffered from podcast envy. Sure, I had a podcast, but it wasn't the biggest deal. It was just insignificant compared to other podcasts. I felt so inadequate. Hi, I'm Buck. I felt myself consistently looking at other podcasts. They seemed so massive. My friends and I were finally able to conquer podcast envy when I found the Boston Podcast Network. They gave us a new podcast, a mighty powerful one, too. They even gave it a name. Shawshanked. We finally had a podcast, one we could hold up high and be proud of. We were now able to whip out our podcast and expose it publicly. Thousands of people received our podcast on the internet on pod617.com. Some enjoy our podcast in bits and spurts. Many prefer to swallow it whole. Either way, don't wait any longer. Please act now. End your own podcast envy. Go to pod617.com and take hold of your own podcast. Find our podcast Shawshank. See if you can handle it. Don't be ashamed of your little podcast. Get a big one at pod617.com. We're going to transition to the portion of the program that we like to call Good Stuff. 
Nobody sang like Kate Smith. I think that's her name anyway. Um, just a fantastic voice. I miss the B-52s. Do oh, you? I miss them so much. There's yeah. nothing like Rock Lobster. That, oh, that's so funny. I was going to say that because most people think of um, either that song or Love No, most, most people think yeah. of Love Shack, right? <laughs> Rock Lobster was, it, 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 when I was uh, super young and first heard it, I thought I was almost scared by it because there's almost a, like a subversive feel to it. Like, <laughs> and you're like, what is this? What's going on? And then there's a part in the song where everybody falls down or something. And it's like a seven-minute song. <laughs> anyway, I do remember it fondly. So we've got a uh, special edition of Good Stuff. We're going to talk about a couple movies. Uh, Jen just saw one that I haven't seen and then vice versa. And they both happen to do with these heroes that fly. You want to go first or should I go first? <laughs> I'd love to go first. You're going first. Okay. So tell us the name of the movie and then I will – uh, dutifully play the trailer so our listeners can. What are we talking about? We're talking about Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Second, uh, super, now this is not Shazam, to be clear. This is the chick superhero. The second in as many years to fascinate us. Here's a little bit of the trailer for uh, Captain Marvel. War is a universal language. I know a renegade soldier when I see one. It never occurred to me that one might come from above. From Marvel Studios, of course. Is that Samuel L. Jackson? Yes. Oh, cool. Of course. Nick Fury. Space invasion. Big car chase. Truth be told, I was ready to hang it up until I met you today. So you're not from around here. It's hard to explain. There yeah, we get the point. Samuel L. Jackson meets, uh, do you know the actress's name? I don't know her name. I think it's Brie Larson. Oh, yeah, Brie Larson, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, who's quite fetching and dynamic. And in the trailer, you see her dressed all in leather and then in some kind of uh, workout-y kind of clothes. But now she's transforming into Captain Marvel. So you just saw it. Mm -hmm. Good. It was excellent. Yeah. I loved it. I, I played the birthday card and made uh, my boyfriend and the kids take me. Oh, cool. Yeah. My oh, boyfriend was willing. Cheap date. Yeah. The, the kids, uh, they definitely, they were going for me and made sure I knew that. Why would they not like this movie? <laughs> You'd think they would love this movie. They enjoyed it once yeah. we were there, but they, uh, they definitely... They want to go with their friends. Oh, they want to go yeah. with their friends to yeah. see Captain Marvel. I, sure, sure. I said, that's fine. Go with your friends. You're going with me, too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was amazing. Uh, she just, she was phenomenal. A great superhero. Uh, not a great chick superhero, just a great superhero. And I love my superheroes. Yeah. Um, there was a scene, and they showed a little bit of it in the, uh, in the trailer, where there's... I don't want to give anything away, but there's a whole mental situation going on, and she with is with her, like she's with her, and she is reviewing. She's being forced to review all the times in her life when she has failed mm. as a way to uh, to undercut her. Right, and uh, and in the next beat, she's able to recall that every time that she failed, she got back up. Mm. And how much more important that was than the failures. Well, there's a cool lesson right there. Yeah. I'm glad your kids were there to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what her what's her backstory? Like how does she it, does this, this is this like the backstory this movie is like her it starts origin story. Origin story. Okay. And sorry. it starts I'm not a comic book geek. Go ahead. in the middle. Okay. And so we get a lot of it through oh, great. flashbacks. More, more time shifting. <laughs> it's Everything done is so time shifting. Well, now. though, and okay. once the pieces all come together, it all just clicks. It's great. She uh, she's an Air Force woman, so uh, we love that. And my, my by lady. day, by day, uh, so to speak, an Air Force woman, and by night, she turns into Captain Marvel. Not sort of exactly. No? At one yeah. point in her life, she was uh, an Air Force pilot. Oh, okay. Um, and and at this point, though, she is Captain Marvel. I see. That led somehow to her. her Thank you for not spoiling it for our audience, because <laughs> most of them probably haven't seen it yet. But she, um, 
Well, she looks like she fits the the superhero mode. Brie Larson, I, I think some of these people, I think they can throw anybody mm-hmm. into a superhero movie. I still don't buy Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's nothing. I have nothing against Mark Ruffalo. I'm not pro or con Mark Ruffalo, but he's not the Hulk. Get somebody else. I mean, he's not David Banner, Bruce Banner, whichever Banner it's supposed to be. He, yeah, yeah. He, but when he's Dr. Banner, I feel like he's good. He carries that off. But <sighs> yeah. I struggle with the, the transformation as Give well. Give me Bill Bixby all day long. <laughs> I know he's not around anymore, but talk about a father figure, courtship of Eddie's father. Another great uh, moment for <laughs> oh, wow, the we are parenting moment. For the, I know, yeah, that's dating myself. So uh, thumbs up, mm-hmm. right, for uh, Captain Marvel. Absolutely. And um, take your kids. And now uh, we're going to shift because I just saw Dumbo with my kids. And um, I swear I didn't see it by myself at <laughs> 2 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. No, I took my kids. Here is a little bit of the trailer for Disney's Dumbo. Welcome, baby Dumbo. We're all family here, no matter how small. Dumbo, the elephant, is learning how to fly. Discovers that this feather somehow makes him fly. Trailer is telling us it's a Tim Burton movie, which I'll talk about in a moment. Which is weird. Very rare. You have wonder. You have mystique. You have magic. Danny DeVito. Come with me. Together, we can soar on that elephant's wings. What's happening? Where are they taking her? Take Dumbo back inside. But she's his mom. Do something. So they're taking Dumbo's mom away, and that's when the uh, real conflict in the movie starts. So um, Tim Burton directs this, which is weird because I didn't see anything Tim Burton-y about this movie at all. I mean, he's known for being creepy and dark, and I guess some of it is. But So it's the, st- it's the story of Dumbo. I realized, I guess maybe I had never seen the original cartoon Dumbo from, from Disney but story being that in the circus, there's a circus elephant who gives birth to Dumbo who has grotesquely large ears that freak people out. And, but but the, the kids discover that Dumbo can fly as long as you give him this little feather thing. And so he flies around. So it's, it's, there are cool things. I, this movie isn't doing that well being reviewed. I think it's like 50% or so on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think part of the reason is... And forgive me, I, I'm trying to be a good adult, but these kids in the movie cannot act. They just can't <laughs> act. I don't. You only saw one. They heard one line in the trailer, but they feel like they're reading like memorized script in a junior high play. Oh. You know, in a junior high play, it's it's like, how did you get into town? Pause. Wait for other person to respond. I drove this car. Isn't it nice? <laughs> yes. That's an amazing car. I can't believe that that is your, like, it was almost that bad. It's so much so, I'm like, what's going on here? But um, uh, my girlfriend really liked it, and she didn't notice that. So uh, you be the judge. There's cool stuff. Danny DeVito is great, as usual. The guy, He's finally looking old, by the way, because <laughs> I thought, like, when he was on Taxi and he played Louis De Palma, he just kind of got somehow... Uh, like frozen in time because he always looks like he's about 40 years old or so or but balding and fat um sorry danny it's kind of your thing so he he plays this uh you know circus ringleader and he uh hence reaps the benefits of bump dumbo bumbo dumbo being a a cool little moment how dumbo gets his name i'm not going to tell you you got to see the movie but so he's flying around and they're starting to sell tickets and then all of a sudden as happened in the trailer um michael keaton arrives as the great michael keaton one of my heroes he's okay in this movie he's like a b plus he plays um a amusement park proprietor and then so danny devito and his ragtag band of of circus tramps they move up in the world and it's kind of cool. I kept saying to myself, um, it seems like they're trying to make this uh, theme park look like the real-life Disney World. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a Disney movie, so they probably know <laughs> a thing or two. And although it takes place in the uh, 20s, in the 20s or the 40s or the 30s, somewhere, a long time ago. <laughs> and um, so I kept saying to myself, well, they wouldn't have had that ride back then. Um, but that's a nitpick. He's great. The, the visuals are great. Um, I never once 
said that elephant looks so fake. So I totally bought Dumbo. Mm-hmm. He, he act, I mean, uh, Academy Awards, if you're listening, uh, put Dumbo in there for best actor, best supporting elephant or something. <laughs> now, do you remember the original Dumbo story? Vaguely. Yeah. I just remember the, the original cartoon is really problematic, like a lot of original Disney ca- cartoons when you go back and look at them. Just the the racial politics. Yeah. You know, so it's I'm Song glad the that they made a yeah. new uh, – a new version. Yeah, there's nothing offensive about this one, it, unless you're one of these people that has a problem with the Disney pattern of setting up this wonderful, wondrous story. You got a flying elephant, and then something horrible happens to their parents. <laughs> you know, baby. By the way, Bambi's mom is dead. Uh, I hope you're not <laughs> too disturbed by that, kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, in this movie, the the mom is is taken away as part of a a, a plot to kind of. Um, get Dumbo or some such thing. I don't know, but um, it's uh, but it's cool. And I'll say this: um, I saw the movie in Randolph, which, if uh, memory serves, is your hometown, <laughs> yeah, Tadio. Go Blue Devils. Go Blue Devils. And <clears throat> they have this thing called 4D, which I don't know. Have you ever seen a movie in 4D before? Is that where the seats move? Mm-hmm. Oh. Right. And it's not as if this technology is new. I mean, the you know, uh, I feel like Jordan- Jordan's furniture yeah, had thank it. You. <laughs> Barry and Elliot from Jordan's Furniture, come on down and ride the mom ride. That, that's that's got to be like 15 years old, that thing. But somebody finally got the very uh, simple idea to put it in certain movies. <clears throat> Early, uh, last year I saw The Meg, that it, kind of an ordinary shark movie. Um, it didn't get great reviews, but seeing it in this 4D was cool because not only do the seats move, but like air blows in your face in, in certain mm-hmm. times. There's kind of this uh, rumbling under your butt in certain <laughs> moments, and then even sprays of water. So, like, when Dumbo first does this thing where he sticks his trunk in the water and sprays it, you get a little in the face. And So the kids love that, and I kind of love it, too. It, it, it gives – so I give uh, a marginal thumbs up to uh, Dumbo. The um, Next time, get better kid actors, Disney. But let me remind you of how great a lawyer that Jennifer Taddeo is. Uh, th- have we forgotten anything super important, Jen, about you or uh-huh. anything else? No, just reach out and I'd be happy to talk with you about your needs. You absolutely should. Um, Jennifer Taddeo, thank you. Con Kavanaugh, again, concavanaugh.com. It's uh, con with a C, two N's, Kavanaugh with a K, spelled the wrong way, but concavanaugh.com. Jay Taddeo at concavanaugh.com. Thanks, Jen. Will you come back sometime? Absolutely. Because I get lonely here in our Westwood studios and uh, always like interesting guests and and she's awesome. So reach out to her, connect with her on LinkedIn and get ready for Game of Thrones. We'll be following it here and discussing it on the Boston Podcast, courtesy of pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, do me a solid and share it with a friend or a neighbor or a colleague or anyone like that and check out all the stuff we have on our website, pod617.com. Thank you all for Jennifer Taddeo. It's David Yaz. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not a guy from Boston, you must be the other guy. 